KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, May 27th. Students demand action. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. COVID-19 cases in San Diego County continue to increase ahead of the holiday weekend. More than 8,800 cases were reported in the county this week. That's 26% more than the week before. The number of cases only reflects cases reported to hospitals or the county. With at-home testing widely available, it's likely the actual number of cases is higher. The rise in infections has officials reminding residents that if you get COVID-19, you can get treated for free. If you test positive for COVID-19, and have symptoms, call 619-685-2500 to make an appointment. San Diego County Water Authority staff on Thursday proposed increasing rates for its 24 member agencies. Under the proposal, rates would increase about 5% for treated water and almost 4% for untreated water in 2023. The Water Authority said the price increases are needed because of inflation and other increasing costs. The Water Authority Board is expected to vote on the proposal at its meeting on June June 23rd, following a public hearing. Voting centers for the June 7th primary election open Saturday at 39 locations in the county. The centers will be open daily from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., including on Memorial Day. Go to the registrar's website at sdvote.com to find a voting center near you. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Students across the country staged walkouts to demand action after the Uvalde Elementary School massacre. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says those walkouts happened across San Diego County, too. Students at San Dieguito Academy High School walked out of class on Thursday to protest gun violence. They also honored the 19 students and two teachers who were killed by a lone gunman at a Texas elementary school. Those who participated in the walkout, like Joy Rupert, say they're scared this could happen at their schools. Even though we weren't directly affected by this, we are still students and we are still staff who see this happening on the news and are worried that one day, and quite possibly with an open campus, that could happen to us. Students at San Marcos High School participated too. Superintendent Andy Johnson says they understand this is a difficult time for students. It's hard to process, honestly. Um, I think we're all a little numb this week and um, hugging our kids real, real tight. Thousands of students across the country participated in the walkout. They were a part of a national event organized by Students Demand Action. The nonprofit is advocating for stronger gun control. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. 
The U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing on Wednesday to vet the Biden administration's second nominee to head up the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. The hearing was already scheduled before the mass shooting at a Texas elementary school had occurred. In her opening remarks, California Senator Dianne Feinstein noted a terrible irony. Just a year ago, this same committee was vetting the administration's first nominee for this role. The morning of that nominee's hearing, a gunman in San Jose, California, opened fire on a mass transit facility and killed 10 people. Feinstein has repeatedly introduced the Age 21 Act. It's a bill to limit teenagers' ability to buy assault weapons. The shooters in Buffalo, New York and Uvalde, Texas, were both teenagers. The state Senate on Wednesday passed a bill implementing Governor Gavin Newsom's Care Corp proposal. The plan would compel treatment for people with severe mental illness and drug addiction, including many experiencing homelessness. The bill passed unanimously. But some senators, like Sacramento Democrat Richard Pan, say the measure still needs changes to ensure that local governments aren't stuck with a financial burden and that participants will be at the front of the line for housing. And I realize there may be other people online, but if you're at the point where you have to require care court, you get to cut in front of the line because you're in considerable straits. The other thing I'm just going to say briefly, I think it's going to be important that our county behavioral health system, which we're also counting on to make the care court work, needs to get funding as well. Under the Care Court plan, first responders, law enforcement, behavioral health providers, and family members could refer people struggling with addiction and mental illness. A judge would then order a care plan that could include treatment, services, and housing. The bill now goes to the state assembly. Authorities in San Diego and Imperial counties are increasingly turning to a smartphone app to track migrants under their watch. iNewsource reporter Sofia Mejias Pasco has the story. A little-known smartphone app called SmartLink is now tracking more than 5,000 individuals in California's southernmost counties. The app uses facial recognition and GPS to monitor those under the watch of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Officials bill the program as a humane alternative to detention centers, but critics like Syra Hussein from the Electronic Frontier Foundation say there are big questions about the program. We really want to know exactly what information the app has access to, and this has been far from transparent, so far from the company. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Sophia Mejias-Pasco. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Coming up, with recruitment down, the Navy has high hopes for the new Top Gun movie. People are going to see it, and it, it, it is the Navy culture, and it's a celebration of the Navy. It's a celebration of aviation. It's a celebration of the spirit, I think, of, of our country. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, 
healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A startup company in San Diego is creating artificial limbs with a 3D printer. They say their digital system can be a cheaper and faster way to customize prosthetics. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has the story. People lose limbs due to traumatic accidents, some due to diabetes. Today, they can get artificial limbs made by a 3D printer from a company called Limber P&O. Joshua Pels is company co-founder and a Ph.D. student of engineering at UC San Diego. He shows a lower leg prosthetic made from lightweight custom plastic. This is the Limber Unileg. It is a single piece prosthesis that is 3D printed in just half of a day. Pell says their process of making the prosthetic begins with a scan of the lower body using an iPhone with Face ID. We take that scan data, we bring it in as a three-dimensional 3D model into the computer. One amputee who's used an artificial leg from the Limber company is San Diegan Diana Zambrano. She remembers when she first used it. I don't know if it's the technology or what it is, but the minute I wore it, I was able to walk very comfortably. So far, the company is focused on creating artificial lower legs below the knee. Pels says printing the knee joint is in the company's future. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. Faced with a tight job market, the Navy is banking that Top Gun Maverick can help rescue naval aviation from a pilot shortage 36 years after the original film broke recruiting records. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says it's part of a long partnership between Hollywood and the military. On a sunny day at a Navy base near San Diego, Tom Cruise was on message. People are going to see it, and it, it, it is the Navy culture, and it's a celebration of the Navy. It's a celebration of aviation. It's a celebration of the spirit, I think, of, of our country. Tom Cruise was at Naval Air Station North Island for the premiere of Top Gun Maverick. Several scenes were shot at the base. Surrounded by sailors in front of the base theater, Cruise worked the red carpet. The megastar said he shares the Navy's high hopes for the long-awaited sequel. That's great. I keep looking at me. Then look at Eric. Paramount paid the Navy more than $5 million. Much of the money was spent to retrofit real F-18 Super Hornets with cameras. Real Navy pilots do the flying, putting actors and the audience in the cockpit. It's part of a long tradition of Hollywood working with the military. Nick Cull teaches media and history at USC. On the Pentagon side of things, they wanted to have the best of the U.S. military uh, represented. And they knew that if filmmakers wanted to have tanks and aircraft carriers and aircraft featuring in their movies, they would be willing to uh, concede certain aspects of creative input. Though it can be tough for the Pentagon to live up to the Hollywood hype, Cull says. Why can't we succeed in Iraq or Afghanistan? The difficulties of operating in these kinds of situations are underestimated when we have these um, fantasies of exaggerated competence. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are, captain. Why is that? 
one of life's mysteries, sir. I do think that the the country knows that it, that they're you know they're going to see a movie and and uh, you know they can they can make their own judgments. Bob Newell directs the Navy's program that works with the entertainment industry. He says the Navy reviews the script to see if it upholds the values of the service, realizing fewer people have a direct connection to the military. That has started to wane. And so people don't have and communities don't have those connections that they used to. Everybody can't go out to an aircraft carrier, but everybody can go to a movie theater. And the Navy could use a hit right now. The original film is legendary among Navy recruiters, driving up interest in naval aviation 10 years after Vietnam. Captain Kevin Ferguson was the Navy's technical advisor on the Top Gun sequel. Standing in front of an F-18 on North Island, he admits he became a pilot after seeing the original film in the 1980s. Ferguson flies for both the reserves as well as Delta Airlines. Commercial aviation has always drawn military pilots, and the competition for pilots, he says, is heating up. You have to retire at age 65, so you do the math, you get a lot of people that are falling off the cliff there. The airlines, all of them, did not necessarily plan in advance. And then COVID hit, and a lot of people, you know, took early retirements and left. What we're left with now is a massive resurgence in travel demand and not enough people to to fill it. Outside the premiere, a group of young sailors were waiting for the filmmakers. Some of them admitted they either hadn't seen the original or had watched it the night before. Seaman recruit Charles Poindexter used to watch the film with his dad as a kid. Uh, my dad, he was excited. I called him yesterday. Uh, he was like, oh, man, you about to go see Tom Cruise? I was like, yeah, you know. It's like, oh, that's my favorite actor. You know, I got to get some pictures, get a whole lot of pictures, a whole lot of pictures. And I was like, I got you, I got you, folks. Whether at the box office or the recruiter's office, we'll know soon enough whether the franchise can handle one last mission. Steve Walsh, KPBS News. San Diego International Fringe Festival returns next week in Balboa Park. This year's Fringe brings back the play Shelter. It's a one-woman show about homelessness that premiered at Fringe in 2017. It's by actress and playwright Renee Westbrook. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with Westbrook outside of her rehearsal room on the San Diego State University campus. Renee, Shelter has been a long journey for you, so explain a little bit about what this whole process has been like for you. The process of getting to this point has been exponentially difficult. (laughs) I mean, starting with sleeping on the buses in the beach because I denied my creativity. I'm not a writer. I'm a black traditional Baptist woman. I'm going to get a job as a teacher. And when I finally surrendered, someone said, hey, why don't you apply for graduate school? I can't get into graduate school. But thank goodness I applied because what happened was I had the opportunity in the fall of 2016 to complete the writing of the play. A colleague of mine had said, Renee, I think you need to write about this. I think it's going to help you because when you're homeless, there's no way to explain what it does to you. And I had been developing it since 2011 and got involved with Diversionary Theater in 2013, which was the wonderful, one of the best uh, experiences I've ever had. And so 2017 was the world premiere at Fringe, 2019. And now, you know, it's really hard to get someone to mount a show. So it has been difficult emotionally and personally, but so rewarding. I mean, it has been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life because I get to create and it's all I ever wanted to do. And it reminded me that 
oh yeah, I'm an actor too. And explain what Shelter is about. What did you want this story to be about? I wanted it to be about the various definitions of shelter. The, the different characters have their own meaning of what shelter means. To Davina Gray, the main character, it's a home, a roof. You know, to Lazarus, it's nobody's gonna ever hurt me again. That's his shelter, his karate. I know what loan is. Your lonely shelter like you think, and just cause I don't got no roof over my head don't mean I ain't got no shelter. This my shelter. My karate my shelter. I know what loan is. Loan's when your mother lose her house cause she can't pay the rent. Then she gonna choose? Then she gonna choose if she gonna keep you or the dog? Cause she gonna choose that. How's she gonna choose that? She gonna choose that she gonna keep you or the dog and we know who wants that race lady. The dog wanted, did it? The dog. And I stay all that time, I stay all that time in the house all by myself. And that's one of the things that, that I wanted to just express is that contemporary homelessness as well has a deep meaning for everyone because so many people are experiencing it now. But primarily I wanted to get out there the, the various definitions of what shelter is because we all have different ideas of what, they, what, what it should be. And explain what this show is, because this is a one-woman show where you are taking on all these different characters that you've created. It's loosely based on my first night homeless on the streets of Santa Monica in Los Angeles, and which I went to a place that said they were going to help me, and they said they couldn't, and I was just out there with a suitcase, a backpack, my purse, and uh, The Writer's Life by Julia Cameron and a dream, you know, but at that time, it's like, I'm not going to make it. Did it change? Have you revisited it with new eyes? What's it going to be like this time? Oh, it's going to be very different. I collaborated with a wonderful director, Shanti Lopez, and she's helped me to see the nuances and the characters that I've always wanted to see. Before it was like someone storytelling, sort of reading through, and now it's more real. The characters are more real, the action is more real, and you know, when you're writing, producing, and directing, you don't have enough objectivity, and that's what I was looking for, and I found it. So I think there will be more depth to this run. And that was KPBS's Beth Accomando speaking with actress and playwright Renee Westbrook. Her play Shelter runs June 3rd through June 7th at the Marie Hitchcock Puppet Theater during the San Diego International Fringe Festival. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. This podcast is produced by KPBS senior radio producer Brooke Ruth and me, Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.